Hi, welcome to the podcast, Why Are You Sober? I'm your host, Sam, and I'm so glad that you're here. This podcast is a place where sober addicts come to share their stories, spread some experience, strength, and hope, and share about why they continue to choose sobriety today. If you are a sober addict and you would like to come on and tell your story, I would love that. You can get in touch with me at my website, which is whyareyousober.org, or my email, which is sam at whyareyousober.org. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the socials. And even if you aren't a sober addict, but you're somebody who has questions and is looking for a little bit of help, you can also please get in touch with me. I would totally love that. So last week, we heard from my friend Robinson, who I really hope you enjoyed his story. It's so funny because a lot of people always tell me that after they've told their story, they feel like it was very scattered. But um, I don't, I don't uh, see that uh, after after the after the case. They always seem to tell their story really well. I just feel like it's more that they don't they don't share their story often. Um, but yes, I loved having him here, and I loved all the thoughts and comments that people gave me uh, regarding his story. So this week, we have the wonderful pleasure of having a dear friend of mine, Melissa, come on the podcast. Melissa comes from my very first home group and sobriety group down in Tampa. She has an amazing story. But there is a piece of her story that I don't believe she is aware of that we share. So Melissa and I went to our friend Allison's wedding back in October of 2017. Uh, Allison was our friend, as some people know, uh, from our home group. And we were two—we were the only two people that she had invited to the wedding. So Melissa and I were going to go together. It was so fun. So we planned it. And the, uh, Allison's wedding was going to be down in Ebor, which if you remember, Ebor was where I got my DUI. And it was going to be pretty much just like over a year, just over a year uh, from the date of when I got arrested was Allison's wedding. So, and I hadn't been to Ebor since I'd been arrested. Uh, so this is the part that Melissa doesn't know. Before the wedding, I actually got to Ebor pretty early. Uh, the night I was arrested, I had a free drink token still in my car. So the bar that I had finished all of my drinking at was giving out free drink tokens. So you bought a drink and you got a free drink token. So I guess I just, what a terrible alcoholic I was. I still had one when I left. Um, And it ended up sitting in my car for the entire first year of my sobriety. Uh, It sat in the car in um, a cup holder and I would see it every day. And it would remind me of what I'd done and where I'd been and why I didn't want to be there ever again. So... Here comes Allison's wedding, and I'm coming to meet Melissa, and I show up early, and I take that drink token out of my car, and I walk past the bar that was not open yet, and I put the drink token down in front of the door, and I walked away. Um, I've heard some people (laughs) who have been like, oh, you gave somebody else a free drink. Uh, Yep, but maybe, maybe I didn't. Maybe I just gave it back to the bar. Maybe the people who opened it up took it and brought it in just to give away again. but I realized I didn't need that totem in my life anymore. I, I knew why I was sober by then. And I didn't need to hold on to that drink token anymore. So uh, I'm just grateful that I then got to just go hang out with Melissa and Allison and celebrate Allison's wonderful wedding. So with that, 
I hope that you all enjoy Allison's story, or not Allison, I hope you all enjoy Melissa's story. Allison's story is coming up soon. Uh, But with that, uh, I will send us off with the serenity prayer. Good and gracious friend, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Yeah, here we go. Okay, Melissa. Well, thank you for doing the podcast. I am so excited that you're here. So, um, the the really starter question is, um, what is your addiction and when did it start? Hi. So, thank you so much for inviting me. I live for a podcast. Yay. Um, <laughs> uh, for me, it would be alcohol. And I had my first drink at 14 years old. But I don't think that I really started having those kinds of consequences until maybe the year after. And I mean, consequences that I didn't recognize, but definitely consequences that that occurred, meaning like not being able to continue in AP history because they couldn't wake up for that class, Mm -hmm. you know, because I was hungover on certain days, Um, which looking back on it now at 43, I can obviously identify that that was a direct reflection of drinking but at the time you know i had no idea yeah so you would say that that was when your alcoholism began correct and i know that there's a lot of people that have a lot of other um fun drugs in their story but i really don't um except for marijuana which i was very heavy into for many, many years and then stopped actually a few years before I stopped drinking. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I'm very similar. My real only addiction has been alcohol. Um, and you know, not that I didn't try other drugs in my life, but, um, I don't know why, but for some reason though, they didn't hit as much as alcohol did for me. I don't know why, but uh, for sure. Well, I, I can tell you why I never really wanted to try anything heavy. And that's because I have a family member who um, who got HIV because of intravenous drug use in mm-hmm. the 80s. Mm-hmm. So that was always kind of a, um, a big warning sign, like, do not, you know. And then I try, I've tried cocaine a few times, but... The real reason that I didn't want to keep that up was because I really, really enjoyed it. And I know it's funny, but I'm from New York City and the good Coke is super expensive. And I knew that I'd never be able to afford that good stuff that I enjoyed. And I would end up getting some horribly cut trash that would make me feel worse. So I just decided that that wasn't for me. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Which is weird to hear someone say, I like this, so I didn't do yeah, it. Yeah. Especially an addict. <laughs> I mean, because usually, know, yeah. usually we are like... If we like it, we want not just more, we want all of it. We want all of exactly. it. Like, give me but all I, of it. <laughs> but I think that's why I really identify more as an alcoholic because that I couldn't stop. That's the one thing that, you know, I feel like I was, you know, whenever I drink or drink, um, I flip on like a, a non switch. And then, you know, if you go to flip it off, joke's on me because it's just another on. And, you know, I would pretty much just be unable to stop drinking until I threw up or I passed out. Uh, And that was like my pattern for so long. But everything else I could just stop, you know, whether or not I enjoyed stopping, like I never enjoyed stopping smoking weed, but I could, you know what I mean? Drinking, though, when I stopped drinking, it just had all of these like mental repercussions and and things like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
that has been very similar to my experiences with uh, marijuana as well of like where I could easily just stop it. Like I didn't, you know, if, if I ran out, it was like, okay. Like I wasn't like when I ran out of alcohol, it was like the end of the world and I had to get more immediately, you know, but like with, with marijuana, it was like, okay, whatever. And I just go to bed. Like it didn't, you know, it, yeah, it's just weird. I don't understand. For sure. I like. Yeah. It's, it's so weird because I I keep talking about it with people like I don't understand addiction because, like, I have another friend who, um, you know, she her addiction was narcotics and she beat it, and she can like go to um, just vineyards and go to like wine tastings and stuff with her husband, and she can like totally function and it's fine. And but she Is like. She can drink? Yeah, she can. She Wild. can. Do, yeah, I know. And I like. I've seen her like walk away from stuff, and I'm just like, that. That is wild to me. Like, how does that addiction work? You know. You know, I I can honestly say that that I don't try to figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that it's awesome that she's gotten her life back that way, and that she can go on and like enjoy those things. I think that's awesome. Oh yeah, I and, mean, um, I literally I work with this woman every day, so I know it's sincere and real. And that's you know, it's like, and that's the thing is, I have to go congratulations to you like that's awesome that you can is, do th- that you can live life this way you know so so what yeah. rating is this podcast is this like a family-friendly podcast or no, can i use this weird yeah, i was gonna say because yeah. that is like really badass but yeah. that's something that i know i can't do so have um you know you don't live under a rock so you've heard of cbd right yeah i um, well, you know, I, I've been in treatment for anxiety for forever and I thought, oh, let me try this natural remedy and like, oh, you can vape it. And I was vaping at that point in my life and I vaped CBD and I know, I 100% know. So anyone listening out there, you know what I mean? Like I'm college educated. I have a master's in science. Like I know things. Um, (laughs) like I know that there's no THC and that there's absolutely no way that I could get high the way that I did when I smoked weed, but the taste of it in my mouth was like, Oh, all bets are off. I was like, this is not for me. So I just happily put it down because I, here's the thing, right? I know I'm not addicted to weed. Like that's not the issue that I've had, but I know myself. And weed makes me thirsty, right? We all know about cotton mouth. So the problem is if I'm already smoking, I might as well be drinking. And that's the that's the reason that I don't play around with it. There because you go. I know myself, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? And I know that there will absolutely be no good that comes of me drinking again. Like I can kiss my relationship goodbye with my family, with my friends you know, with my boyfriend, with my school that I work at, with my students, because I just wouldn't be able to present my best self to them. And that's the best self that they deserve to have and that I deserve to be. So I don't, I don't, I don't play with it. You know what I mean? I'm going to the Bahamas in a couple of days and I know like I'm going to totes have a virgin, you know, pina colada, but no one ever drank a pina colada to get faded. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like I drank for the effect. Give me some four loco and, you know, some shots. I wasn't out there being like, I'm going to have nine dollar pina coladas all night. Like that's, you know, that's what you have for fun. Yeah, so. exactly. No. Yeah. I was always like, just vodka, please. No, just vodka. Like that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, so you, you say your addiction started around 14, 15. When, where did it take you? And like, when, like, how long were you, how long did you, 
Were you dick? Were you an addict, active addict? And when did you get sober? Okay, so I definitely, um, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm 14 at, at this point. So I had my first drunk at a quinceanera, which is a sweet 15 for for those who are non-Spanish speakers. And, um, you know, I, I was off to the races, but within moderation, because remember, I'm 14 years old. So it's not like I can just go to the store, you know, or go to the bar. So I kind of became an opportunist and drank when I could or started hanging out with people who had more access. And I remember being like 15 and clearing out my mom's liquor cabinet. Um, but all, with all of that being said, I still had straight A's. Um, you know what I mean? Like all yeah. of all of the things that you would say like, oh, she's hanging out with the wrong crowd. Well, it was the right crowd for me. You know, that's who I wanted to be with. Um, my first like real issue was when I was a freshman in college, I drank my way out of school. Mm. Um, and I, <laughs> bingo, right. So I didn't, you know, I didn't get a chance to complete college when, when my peers did. So I had to figure out how to make up for school. And so I kind of decided to take an easy job, which was being a teacher's assistant back in New York. Um, where I was making, you know, hardly, you know, I was making pennies, but it paid for my health insurance and I was able to like afford to live with a hundred roommates and drink. And so that was, you know, early, you know, I want to say I was like maybe 19 at that point when I came back, came back home. And, um, the thing about that is like, when you're at 19, you know, you go to the bodega and they don't really card you. They're like, whatever. But, you know, at 14, when I started, I couldn't, um, I couldn't do that. So where I, I ended up is really funny because a lot of people have this idea and I did too. So, you know, if, if you're listening, look out. Um, I thought that alcoholics like live under the bridge or like they lost everything and they lost their jobs and they lost their homes and, you know, and all of that. And they had like those dire consequences. And for me, I was what they call a high bottom drunk. I graduated um, summa cum laude with my bachelor's and my master's degree. I was teaching. I had my own nice apartment with like crown molding and hardwood floors. And the, you know, my view was the Empire State Building. And on paper, I was doing great. But I think what really led me to, to get sober and this this was in uh, March of 2015. Uh, yeah, like my sobriety date is March 3rd, 2015. So I'm, I'm rounding out eight years. And um, I just felt this emptiness inside of me in this bottom. And I woke up in like this horrific, horrific hangover. And I used to pride myself in like being able to puke in the toilet and everything. And there was just like vomit and bile all over my apartment. I just woke up in disarray and everything oh, was where it man. shouldn't be. And it was like, you know, when, when you're a binge drinker like I am and, you know, and a full-time alcoholic and a full-time teacher and a full-time college student and blah, 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 you know, you kind of compartmentalize, but this was just me being out of control. And I was talking to my friends and they couldn't tell me if I was in a cab or if they took the train with me oh, and, gosh. you know, every, yeah. like, you know, and being a single woman in New York, like that's super dangerous. So I decided to to figure out what it was that, that needed to change. Cause I felt not just that physical effect, but I just felt beaten emotionally and mentally. 
you know, like I didn't want to live anymore and I didn't know what to do. And I had like this epiphany for like one second. And, and sometimes that spark is all you need. And I just felt like maybe, maybe you should stop drinking. Like maybe this shouldn't be like, oh, I'll just make sure I have, you know, a heavy dinner before I go out or drink, you know, pints of water in between, like for a moment, like I had this flash of wisdom that was like, girl, (laughs) you, it was like whoopee in, in, um, like Whoopi Goldberg in uh in in Ghost, it was like Molly, you in danger, girl. I'm like, that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what it was. And I was like, I can't keep living this way. So that prompted me to not go to Alcoholics Anonymous or any other twelve step program. Um, it didn't cause me to go to rehab. It didn't um cause me to to do anything the way that most people would seek help, right? I didn't even tell my therapist who I was seeing at the time. I decided to go on Facebook and just blow it up and say, hey, does anybody know how to stop drinking? Because, you know, that's what you do in um, 2015. (laughs) And one of my friends who stopped, you know, cold turkey the way that I wanted to reached out. And, you know, I spent the next 52 days just really in misery. And it wasn't until one of my very best friends reached out and he, um, he saw how miserable I was and how suicidal I was because, you know, the problems of my life were still there. I just didn't have my happy solution to numb my feelings. Yeah. And you weren't, Um, and so you weren't sober, you were just dry. I was, I was so dry (laughs) and I was the worst person to be around. Um, you know, he kind of pulled me to the side and and I was with him in his office and saying goodbye because at this point I was going to move to Tampa and he just read me the riot act and like started crying and told me that he was really afraid that the next time he saw me would be in my grave because, you know, would be at my cemetery because he knows like I've had multiple suicide attempts and, you know, not adorable cry for helps like landing in the mental institution for a while. And, um, you know, he really just kind of told me like, you can't keep doing this without a network of people. Like you can't keep doing this without help because the problem is you don't know how to live without drinking and you're putting yourself through torture and, you know, you know, your solution, you know what your solution is going to be because you've tried it before. And I don't want to watch one of my best friends go out that, that way. Wow. What a gift. um, What a gift. Yeah. Most people don't get, don't get that conversation. Do you look back on that and just go like, thank you. Oh, I constantly tell him that he is the person that saved my life. That's incredible. Constantly. Yeah. Like he knows, you know, I, I don't know about spirituality and met- metaphysical things, but I, I feel like if there was ever a moment where um, an angel embodied a person, that was it for me. Yeah, like, absolutely. That was, that was the God moment where somebody just told me like they loved me and that they know what's going to happen because they know how I am and that you know, it's noble that I'm trying not to drink, but like, I need a solution that isn't more damaging to me, Yeah. which me living without, you know, any kind of help was, you know, I was just miserable. And and it's funny because I look back on it now where, you know, I have this, this cool network of homegirls and friends and like we socialize, but like those 52 days I would come home from work and like, 
put myself to bed at like 5:30 because I couldn't be awake. Like what what is there to do when you're not drinking? What? And point? so like I would yeah, I would pack um you know because for my move and then I was like hiding. You know, I was hiding from the world and my local bar was on the corner so I'd get out of the subway and that would be my bar. And um I had to reroute my way and and walk a few blocks away to take a bus like two stops. Because I could, I knew that I had no way of walking past the bar without drinking mm, in it. Mm. And, and, you know, like I rerouted my entire life to not drink, but I was so miserable and so unhappy. And I, I was really close to death and, and my friend kind of pulled me out of it. And so I made a deal with them that I would, I would let other people know that I was, um, I was suffering this way. And that's what led me to to actual sobriety and actual recovery. Yeah, <clears throat> which is awesome. So that was like the turning point for me. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. I uh, thank you so <laughs> much. Like that's an amazing story, but that is so wonderful that you had that person in your life who did that. You know, who oh, just can stepped I, in. Can I circle back? Yeah, and, sure. and of say course. something that I I don't normally tell people. Yeah. Um, so the job that I had, right? I was teaching, and we had a book club. And we started reading this book. Um, Gosh, I wish I could remember. I'm sure that it'll come to me and I'll text it to you. Um, Okay. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, audience. Um, But this girl was was drinking, you know, and blacking out and trying to, it's actually, they made a movie out of it. Um, And and it was just really difficult for her. But, you know, all of the ways that she was, you know, blacking out and figuring out things that happened were very similar to myself. And that's kind of like the first slap in the face that like, maybe I, I need to really look at the way that I'm drinking. And that happened to me maybe about two or three weeks before, um, my last drunk where, where I was like, I got to stop. But that was like the hint of, of me kind of coming out of this fog of, you know, what is 20 years of drinking? Cause I got sober at, at 35. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely like me starting to really look at it because I read this book. Yeah. Um, I think it's girl. And I think it's, Oh, girl on the train. It's called girl on the train. Girl on the um, train. Okay. Yeah. And so I, you know, it's like following this alcoholic and, you know, and, just so much of the way that she was processing things mentally and trying to like recover bits and pieces from blackouts was, was how I was living. You know, Mm -hmm. like I, I was, if you saw me in pictures, like I was having the best time. If you asked me about it, no idea, you know, and I traveled the world this way. And, and, and so it's like, I would say that I, I lived vicariously through the memories of others and through the photographs of others, you know, because that's how I would piece together that I had a good time or not. And I couldn't really tell you if I did. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just wanted to make sure that I added that because that was like, I don't know. I feel like that's when I started to turn the corner into to starting to think about maybe like if this chick's a, a real alcoholic, like, and I'm feeling bad for her in the book, but then I'm going through the same shit. Like maybe there's something there. Yeah, And then the, that you know in a few weeks i had that that moment where it was like girl you better stop like you better fall back and not not do this but i i didn't know how 
Yeah. I mean, I, you know, for me, it was, um, I actually like said to a couple people in my life, like, I think I'm an alcoholic. And, and they, of course, were like, no, you're not like, you just like overdrank. You're fine. Um, especially one of those people was my husband at the time, my ex-husband. Um, Mm -hmm. and I know, you know, I, I totally believe it was fear out of like not being able to drink himself. Like if that was true. Oh yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe, I mean, I can't, I'm not going to put words in his mouth or whatever, but, um, but then the other thing was, was that I actually had a morning where I woke up after having drank a lot the night before and um, got in my car and suddenly saw a full Wendy's large soda. And I looked and I was like, what the hell? And <laughs> and then I realized that there are like, there's a empty bag of French fries. And there's like, I was like, oh my God. I drove to Wendy's last night and I could not remember it at all. And that's wild, right? Yeah. And it's terrifying. And it's like, mm-hmm. what the hell? And, um, and I actually did end up going to an AA meeting after that, but I never said I was an alcoholic and I did not pick up a white chip. And, um, and so then, you know, then the rest of my story goes like, and then I got a DUI and blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> so, and i ended up at the 301 house and blah blah um so you know like yeah i i just i love hearing those those insights of because i feel like most sober addicts have had those moments where they were questioning like themselves like am i an addict like oh i (laughs) you know i've definitely had moments where like i was out of town visiting friends and it'd be like 9 30 in the morning and i'm cracking open a 40 because i'm on vacation and they're like wow isn't that like you know kind of an early start and i'm like yeah but you said that you were gonna party so where's yours you know what i mean it's like I thought you, you know, yeah. they see me rolling, they hate it. And like, come on, like let's, we ride in dirty tonight. Let's go. Yeah. And, uh, I, I couldn't understand why other people didn't drink the way that I did, you know, or like how people knew how to go out and drink without throwing up or waking up hungover. Like it never occurred to me that that's just not normal. I just thought that that's how people drank. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I know. I was like, doesn't everybody, why doesn't it? No. Everybody doesn't think this way. What? That's that's why when I started reading that and it's like, oh, well, she's obviously an alcoholic. That's how she's being written. And then I started to self-identify those blackouts and those, you know, regretful moments of like blowing up. And I was like, oh, my God, this is this is really uncomfortable. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Really uncomfortable. And, um, you know, it's like. I started to kind of think like maybe I need to like slow down or something or maybe, but of course I didn't because I'm, you know, an alcoholic. And so that thought and that, that kind of identification or realization flew out the window as soon as it came in. But that was the first time I want to say that I really had a moment of like, maybe this is a problem. And I know that a lot of people who do, um, do find recovery or stop drinking or whatever because nobody has a monopoly on how somebody stops doing something yeah i believe anyway um i i feel like a lot of people can say like oh i've had these moments where i've tried and blah blah and it's like i don't really really, i never really wanted to stop you know what i mean until i stopped it was never um 
it was never really a thought to me. Like, because honestly, you know, like who wants to stop drinking? Like who wants to like, you yeah. know, who wants to, I didn't. So, yeah. So that was like my, my moments. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so it was about 20 years that you were active as an addict. And then what were things that helped you get sober? Um, well, I, I won't say which one, but like I, I was up, you know, and, and continued to be a part of a 12 step program. Yep. Awesome. And, um, and so then Melissa, then why, well, I mean, amongst that, like what were things of that program or whatever that helped you get sober? Like what were things that really encouraged you or just helped you maintain and a clear head through, through your trials, you know, through getting sober? I think it, the main thing like in the beginning was people that looked like me that were like tattooed and, you know, and successful and punk rock and still sober. Mm -hmm. Um, there were, you know, people that were doctors and nurses and there were also people who were like homeless in my, in my first home group in New York. And so, you know, there's a saying, right? Park Avenue to park bench. And so that was what I saw. And I realized like, Oh, anybody can, can have this thing and anybody um, anybody who, who works at this can beat this thing. And that to me was like very hopeful, um, really reading a lot of the literature and sponsorship fellowship, which means like, you know, I worked the steps with another, another woman and the fellowship of like, you know, people inviting me out, you know, outside of my drinking friends, I didn't have people like invite me to places, you know, because I was embarrassing. Yeah. Like I wasn't the first person on people's list to like go to a wedding. Like that just wasn't a thing. Um, so these people inviting me out to dinner and like really taking an investment in me, like was humongous. And um, part of the program as well, like service, giving back. I, I remember thinking like I have absolutely nothing to offer anyone like I'm completely worthless and and you know I've had a lot of self-hate and being able to be of service to others like starting with cleaning ashtrays and the toilet and like reading a paragraph to sell people literature that changed my perspective and my life because I mm. finally felt like I had some value mm. and um you know that was that was a real turning point to me and so when I when I moved to Florida I searched that 12-step program again and I had kind of found a meeting to join before I moved and um that's that's like what I just did you know I really dove in head first to like service and working with another another person in recovery and being just as open as possible to to this change because I didn't, I didn't want to live in pain and I also didn't want to kill myself. And so if I don't want to live in pain anymore and I don't want to end it, I need a third option. Amen. And that third option is, is for me was finding recovery. And so that's what I did. And, and, you know, I continue to do that. You're awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> it is. You are, you are awesome. And I love that we Thanks. met in recovery together and that that's how we know each other. It's yeah, so wonderful. Yeah, it's it's a real gift and there's people, you know, like yourself that that I I got to see come in and grow mm. and watch their life change and blossom and like go through the pains and you know joys of life. Like I ran to that clubhouse that you know we both were a part of the day that my grandmother died 
Amen. You know, I left work and went in there and just raised my hands at a meeting I've never been to and just bawled and said, like, I just don't like I just found out and I don't know how to process this loss right now. So I just need you to know that I'm here and I'm not going to drink, but I just need to cry about it. And they let me, you know oh, what I mean? Oh, like yeah. it wasn't. Oh, a hundred percent. I share with people. I said a year after I got sober, my husband at the time asked me for a divorce and I was like shocked because I was like I thought everything was better and Mm -hmm. I said and after a long night of talking I like agreed I said okay then well this is fine and first thing I did the next day went to a meeting and opened my mouth and went this just happened to me and uh I don't know what to do and yeah and it's and it's amazing to have that community of people to go to and just say like this is what's happening and not be judged and not be looked down upon and just be like okay man like that happened to me and i can talk i can help you through it or just talk and listen to you you know that that to me is tremendous because right i've never i've never been married so i've never been divorced but other you know i've had family members die but somebody else in the room has also had someone die you know, like somebody yeah. else in the room has also gone through a divorce. And so they can help you. And so I've come to realize, like, I can go through anything and not have to drink. You and know, there's yes. people that are put in my life. And because and, I would drink for the victories, too. Yeah, me too. I know. <laughs> but the amazing thing was also at that community that we were at, um, the person who came up to me was also had been in a same-sex marriage. And so it wasn't just that, like, I was getting divorced, but the person who who talked to me also was like, hey, I'm gay, and this has happened to me. And it was like, so it was even more personal, you know? Like, oh, yeah, it, and I... Like, the level, uh, the, the level that it can get to in those, in those rooms when you are in need of something is astronomical, how you mm-hmm. can get the right person that is right there at the right moment. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and, like you know, you talking about that as well. Like it's so important that it doesn't matter who you are or, you know, what you do. It's a safe space for queer people. It's a safe space for black people. I myself am Latina. So it's a safe space for people of color. You know what I mean? Because we're all suffering with this common thing. Like we can't stop. As you said before. Yeah. As you said before, it's uh, park street to park bench. I mean, you know, it's everybody Uh and it doesn't matter. Um, So, the point of the podcast, and here's the last question. So why Ooh. are why are you sober? What keeps you sober today? Why? Oof. You know, it's funny because I knew that this was going to be the question, and I know that this is the name of the podcast. And so I was trying to think of like this really good answer for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like knock it out with a bang. But I find myself hearing this question and getting kind of emotional. And I think that the reason that I stay sober is because I deserve to. I deserve Mm -hmm. to live the life that I have. I -hmm. deserve to not throw everything that I've worked for away. I deserve to be healthy and happy to the best of, of my ability. And I deserve to be the girlfriend and the daughter and the coworker and the teacher and the partner and everything else that that life is throwing at me, I deserve to be able to show up a hundred percent. And that's strong for me because I never believed that I deserve sobriety when I saw those gifts happening to people. I did, I thought that that wasn't for me. Like all I would get was not drinking and I would still be unhappy. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
it wasn't, you know, I had this turn of, of corner and I feel like I just really deserve the gifts of living a sober life. Amen. Amen. I love it. <laughs> thank you. That was Thanks. a great answer. And thank you so much, <laughs> Melissa. It is my absolute pleasure. And um, I do want to say one last thing to anybody, if I can, to the, yeah. to the podcast. Um, if you've tried to stop drinking or smoking crack or whatever, whatever your flavor is, you are always worth another chance. You know, if you tried a hundred times, you are, you deserve 101. Um, and I think it's really important for people to know that you are absolutely worth it. You deserve the best version of your life and of yourself. And it doesn't matter how many times you've been unable to stop. You always deserve another chance and there should always be someone in your life that lets you know. So if you don't have that person, let me be that person. You absolutely deserve to live. Amen. Well, thank you for listening to Melissa's story. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed talking with her. She is such a dear friend of mine and such an amazing woman. I'm so glad that she came on to share her story with us. So next week is actually a very big honor because we're going to have my friend Amanda on. And Amanda was the leader of the very first meeting that I ever went to uh, on my sobriety journey. So I'm so pleased and honored that she has agreed to be here with us. So come back next week for that. And as always, thank you for listening to the podcast. Please follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you are a sober addict and would like to come on and tell your story, I would love that. Or if you have just questions or are looking for some help, please reach out too. You can find me at my website, whyareyousober.org, or email me at sam at whyareyousober.org. You can also find me on social media like Facebook and Instagram. And with that, I hope you all have a wonderful week. And until next time, I'm wishing you all peace, love, and a whole lot of joy. 